Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Franica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? You had a pretty good couple of days, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, you went to go see the Star Trek movie, and I haven't seen it yet. Oh, yeah. Are you going, uh, you're going soon, right? I'm going to go see it after we record this episode. Nice. We should record a special, spoilerific, Greatest Gen episode about the new movie. That's what I'm thinking. It's not often that we have a new movie to spoilify. Yeah. It's about uh, time we, we get around to spoiling something made within the last 20 years. Here's, here's my proposal. We do it. Okay. We release the episode on like a Friday, like a day that we wouldn't have a normal episode, so it doesn't affect our regularly scheduled podcast. And everybody should know that it will be spoilerific. So if you care about that, uh, you know, you've been warned. Yeah, you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, I, f- I feel like we're running into this conflict with a few of our viewers where we're like, if you don't like it, go listen to something else. In fact, it's easier not to listen to our show than to listen. <laughs> we're doing everything we can to prevent new listeners. So. <laughs> uh we uh, hugely appreciate all the listeners we do have. That's not to uh, that's not to imply that we don't. Um, right. What do you say we get into it, Ben? You mean into a pack of cards? Yes. The game is five cards. The game is exceedingly simple. Or this is just the cards, Time to pluck a pigeon. Yeah, just, I just felt like we haven't opened any in a while, so. Especially after talking to Biff on the Twitters. Yeah, I really want to find a Jaeger in here. I have a card for an episode called Lessons. Oh, this is that one where he like uh, he like plays piano and flute with the hot music officer. <laughs> Remember that episode? Yes. Wish I didn't, but I do. Whenever I open a pack of cards, I flip through them as fast as possible to see if there's an autograph in there. If there's a Jaeger. Yeah, to the exclusion of all other concerns. I uh, I kind of like the the little reveal. I got a weird signature card in here. It feels like sort of double thickness. You have a of the signature the card? Well, it's not it's not like the signature cards we've seen before. It's it it looks like an episode card. Huh. But it's got a gold signature on it. What? Yeah, it's Juan Ortiz's signature, uh, who is the designer of all of these cards. It's Whoa. It's like double thickness of the standard card, and it's got a embossed gold signature. It's for the episode Contagion. Dang. Yeah, it's it's stamped uh, number 47 of 125, so this is a limited edition. Man, you get all the cool cards. I know. I know. I mean, hmm. I still got my George Baxter, but... Dude, I'd trade you a Contagion for a George Baxter. No, you wouldn't. That would be madness. Uh, My next card is the nth degree Oh no, this is that one where Barkley gets all super smart (laughs) Oh You remember that episode? Yeah, they hook him up to the static discharge machine Yeah, he's got the lasers going into his brain Yeah, that's fun Chain of command part two 
Aren't you excited for the Barkley episodes? I'm more excited for Chain of Command Parts 1 and 2. You remember those episodes? Is that when the Enterprise gets a different captain? And he's, a, and he's a crotchety old man? It might be that, but it's also the one where Picard is like in, in, uh, in the hands of the Cardassians and is getting yeah. tortured and interviewed. Right. Right. All he has to do is say how many lights there are. Yeah. I don't know why he has such a hard time with that. He's a man of principle. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Coming of age. That's that one where uh, where Remick uh, was tearing the ship apart. That's but right. N- no, no, uh, no quagmire on the card. It's just uh, it's Wesley and, and the Enterprise. And my last one is Night Terrors, which is I think the one where Troy is having the like. It's another one where the ship is stuck and they can't unstick it. Yeah, it's and then, stuck like, in the mud. Troy's having having uh, special dreams. About how to unstick it. Special dreams. <laughs> Personal dreams. <laughs> so I got the Contagion card, the special edition. And then I got the Vengeance Factor, which is a really cool picture of Riker. He looks like he's on the cover of a romance novel. I think I have the Vengeance Factor. Yeah. Do I notch? I got that one, Sins of the Father, with a great picture of Worf on it. Reunion and Firstborn. So sort of a uh, a Klingon heavy pack I got here. Yeah, gotta say, pretty good pack for me. Solid pack, bro. Well, should we get into an episode? Yeah, let's hit it. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Not entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. It's season three, episode seven, the enemy. This is one of those episodes that starts with like a pure cold open yeah this is like one of the best cold opens we've we have yet seen yeah occasionally you get the the ship in orbit and you get a captain's log sort of setting the scene or but yeah in this episode you get a fade up and we are on basically planet anybody canyon we're we're on lv426 from the alien films totally and uh speaking of cold opens adam oh yeah um Really excited for our, our first beer sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, we've had tequila. Why not beer? So, yeah, and this is also, it's also interesting because they say, like, if Data was down here, he'd be getting scrambled by all the electromagnetic activity, which I thought was cool because there's definitely been times when Data could beam down because it would be hazardous for anybody else. Yeah. This is a time where they can beam down but not Data. Yeah, it's a, it's a convenient device. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so they are, yeah, they're they're it's they're groping around. It's Jordy, Riker, and Worf, and they've I guess they've picked up a, a signal from a like a distress signal from a Romulan craft. Riker is like on the on the timer because they have a window, and if yeah. they don't beam back before this window closes, the the storm is going to get too intense, and the transporter beam even with the pattern enhancer that they've beamed down with, it's just not going to cut it. So, uh, you know, stakes is high, and uh, and there's a clock running. This is not a planet that has a, a great deal of vegetation or any life to to speak of, but Jordy manages to slip on a banana peel and go down a hole. Jordy chooses not to do the front flip that crew members typically choose uh-huh. when falling in holes. He just he goes straight down. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of 
deep well-like holes on planets in the Star Trek universe, aren't there? Yeah. Uh, just like vertical sides that you can't grab anything on. Uh, yeah, and, and the storm is like whipping up and Riker and Worf find a passed out Romulan. Or specifically, Worf does, right? Yeah, and look, like they choose to split up in this giant storm. And this is part of the problem, right? Yeah. Like they can't see each other barely. They can't hear each other at all. Is the move really to split up to do more damage? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, the other thing is their tricorders have like a, a very limited range. Like they don't have any way to find each other. It's not like they have their digital string tied around their waist mm-hmm. to keep them together. And uh, unclear like what Jordy was off looking for, you know, because they find some, some busted up ship parts and then they keep looking and Worf finds a passed out Romulan and um, is checking to see if the guy has a pulse when he <laughs> wakes up, sees a Klingon looming over him and goes for Worf's throat. <laughs> and <laughs> Worf does an awesome, like, like claw move on the guy. <laughs> yeah, the, the five-finger exploding palm. Yeah, he, it's like Worf is, Worf is confident enough that this guy is not going to crush his windpipe that he, like, really winds up on this. And, yeah. and then just, like, clocks the dude in the face causing him to pass out a, anew and uh he and Riker schlep the guy over to the to the beam down site and discover that Jordy is nowhere to be found four minutes to beam up where is he yeah and this window is closing like they either beam up now or they stay down for the duration and Worf and Riker have that moment where Riker's like we gotta get the fuck out yeah and Worf's like seriously and Riker's like seriously all this is said <laughs> Uh, non-verbally, mind you. This mm-hmm. is my this is my summary of that moment. Oh, so we can't drop in the clip of them going seriously, seriously, yeah. seriously. <laughs> are you for real, dude? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm for real, dude. Are you fucking serious right now? They beam up to the transporter room, and a bunch of doctors come in with like a floto gurney. Which is a strange choice, because they often beam directly to Six Bay. Right. But this time they don't. Uh, Who knows why? Well, O'Brien doesn't get paid if you beam them directly to Six Bay. (laughs) Oh, he's like a flight attendant where... Yeah, he goes to the transporter room for a very specific reason. Yeah. So Colum can get a paycheck. Yeah. They're only technically on the clock when they're in air. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so they... uh, they get this Romulan up there, and he's pretty, he's pretty whooped. And we cut back down to the planet, and Jordy is uh, just down in the bottom of this hole, sitting in the in a puddle, screaming for Worf. And ain't nobody gonna come help him. I mean, and here we are presented with our A story. It's it's sort of Jordy LaForge as Rambo in the movie First Blood. Yeah, like he's he's got to improvise some instruments and weapons he's got to figure out a way to survive down at the bottom of this hole and possibly get out of it and he does some pretty cool stuff in the process totally like the the like trade craft shit that Jordy does in this episode is excellent 
Yeah. The like it's like, you know, Jake Giddis doing detective stuff in Chinatown or Rambo doing field traps in yeah. in uh First Blood. Like it's it's so cool. Like you totally go into the universe that okay, he's got a phaser that still works. He has a tricorder that doesn't really work. He's got a visor where he can do some like light metallurgy. Like what can he do in this hole? And so what he does is he finds some uh, some iron rich rocks digs a trench in in the uh, in the mud fills the rocks into it and uses that as a mold to make like hand spikes that he uses to like claw his way up the side of this hole yeah fucking rad have you ever used that thing at the gym where it's like sticks and holes and you've got to like pull yourself up the side of a thing I don't go to gyms I don't know what that thing is called, but it takes a lot of upper body strength to do that. Yeah, that's and, the and other the thing. And the length of this hole is, you never get a really good look at how deep it is, but it looks... It's got to be like 25 or 30 feet, right? Yeah, yeah. Jordy's jacked. Yeah, I kind of get the feeling that he is from this scene. Yeah, like you don't, like those uniforms kind of hide it, but I think Jordy might be totally shredded. I think he's also got to be super pissed that he's ruined his $3,000 suit. (laughs) Like, all I could think about when he fell into that mud was, ooh, boy, like, why couldn't it have been one of the old, uh, the old uniform jobs? Right. Yeah. And and LeVar Burton was probably like, fuck, after this, they're probably going to put me back in one of those old uniforms. Gross. Yeah. He's got to wear this thing like a wetsuit the rest of the time, too. That can't be comfortable as an actor wearing wet wool. No. Wet wool gabardine. Have you ever like uh have you ever jumped into the ocean wearing a suit or anything, Ben? Uh no, I typically I typically have suits that I wouldn't I wouldn't uh sacrifice in that way, but yeah. one time I had a suit that was a suit that I knew that I didn't particularly care for anymore and was kind of ready to get rid of it. And uh, I was working on... Season- it was made by Jinko Jeans. <laughs> it's actually Dolce & Gabbana, and I got it at like a sample sale for very cheap. Uh, but we were shooting season two of Put This On, and one of our sponsors was a kefir company, which is that yogurt, oh, yeah. yogurt drink. And uh, the host of the show, Jesse Thorne, who is also the proprietor of MaximumFun.org, our network... Uh, happens to be the same suit size as me. So he put this suit on and we shot a little commercial for this kefir where he dumps a bunch of bottles of it on his head while talking about the merits of kefir. <laughs> Just to be clear, is that how you're supposed to consume kefir transdermally? That's uh that's the only thing you can take away from from this commercial. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but then we uh we we put the suit in like a box and Jesse and I left to go shoot the rest of the show. And so we were going to be out of town for like two weeks and we got back and I found that box like in the back of a downstairs room in our apartment. And oh. I was like, you didn't send this. It's full of yogurt and a suit. <laughs> it was, it was something I felt very guilty about sending to somebody and asking them to clean at that point. And so you did, or you didn't? We did, and uh, oh that, no, Ben! That suit hangs in our in my closet to this day. It, the the place cleaned the shit out of it. 
Wow. I got to level with you. I would have thrown that suit in the garbage rather than send it to someone, to some poor cleaner to have them deal with it. This is one of the best Star Trek stories we've ever told. <laughs> <laughs> Let uh, us edit all of that out. It is a guiding principle of a soft beating face. Now you can't find it within yourself. Uniform. Anyways, Jordy is totally filthy, but is busy crafting tools that gets him up out of this hole. Yeah, and he's uh, he's like he gets to the surface, and he's like kind of scrambling around on the surface of this planet. But he knows he knows full well that he missed the window, so it's a little unclear like why he is moving around. Like, I kind of feel like he should not be moving around. He should be like sticking in one spot. You know, like when you're you know, a little kid and you get lost in an amusement park, you're supposed to stay in the same place. Yeah, that is the rule. I think I think he knows that no matter what, he's got to get out of the hole. Yeah. All other concerns after that are just kind of secondary. Fair enough. But it's not long before young Wesley Crusher. Wesley, the boy. The boy. Young Wesley Crusher. My son. The boy genius devises a way to get Jordy to converge on a specific spot, which is that they're going to rig up a probe with a neutrino beam that's going to shoot into the sky. And Jordy will be able to see that with his visor and he'll be able to go over to the probe and like cause it to modulate its signal or whatever, uh, bleep and blorp, and they'll beam him up or whatever. Yeah, it's sort of the equivalent of like a Klieg light uh, mm-hmm. outside of a movie premiere. Like to Jordy, he's seeing this giant beam shoot up even in even in this crazy storm he's able to see it and so there's no other thing that it could be besides something from the enterprise this is what wesley posits yeah so back aboard the ship the doctor whose hair is like 12 inches longer than the last time we saw it i don't know if that happened in this episode or a previous episode but i definitely noticed it here like she had like a a really specific length of hair when this yeah. season started and now she's just like full-blown Beverly Crusher hair. Yeah, this show more and more is not built for the binge that we're giving it. <laughs> and all of these continuity things are really coming to the surface. Yeah, week I guess to week. I guess maybe if you were watching this these episodes once a week, you might not notice a massive amount of growth in Beverly's hair, but uh which is one of the reasons you watch a show like this. Well, is, it's, this is a Star Trek haircast, Adam. It's, it it is. is one of the only reasons we watch a show <laughs> like this. It's in the title. So she's working hard on, on fixing up the Romulan that they brought back from the service. And they get him talking for a second, and he's like, I am alone. I will not answer any questions. But he's, he's in rough shape. And they need to give him a blood transfusion, but obviously this being a Federation starship, they've got a relative paucity of Romulans in the crew. So they've got to do blood tests for everybody on the ship to see who can provide a blood transfusion. And uh comes back that the only person on board that can do it is Worf. And Worf is not super into the idea. <laughs> My love is a peep of longing tail for that which longer nurses the disease. No, not at all. And one of the people that Worf decides to chat up 
given this decision he's got to make is Riker. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes in the episode is is Worf begins by saying, no, like, actually, fuck that and fuck you for even asking. Like, right. there's no way I'm <laughs> sticking my blood into that guy and saving his life. Like, forget yeah. it. We're going to let him die. So he rolls into Riker's room just to talk things over. He's a good guy to talk to. Yeah. And Riker appears to be mid-bender. You are busy. Forgive my intrusion. <laughs> yeah. Because this is now the second straight episode where it's conceivable that Riker could lose crew members. Yeah. Like crew members who he's close to. Totally. And the advice that Riker gives Worf at this moment is like, look, man, I'm not going to tell you what you need to do. Like, only you can come to a decision that you can live with. But, like, what the hell, man? Yeah. You're, you, you, may be, you may be a rough and tumble Klingon warrior guy, but around here we don't, we don't merely let people die. Right. And so this, maybe, maybe think it over. This dude didn't personally kill your family. Like, right. You can't hold every Romulan living responsible for something horrible that happened back in the day, which is a pretty solid point, right? Like That's Kevin Uxbridge revenge right there. <laughs> Worf just goes like, first I will kill all Romulans, then I will fuck an inflated doll. <laughs> Captain Picard, I've got to put all of my fluids into that Romulan. <laughs> Every single fluid I have must fill that Romulan's veins until he's positively bursting with my fluids. And so he sort of goes around the horn a little bit and considers his options. And Beverly, toward the end, does some super manipulative shit, which is like, hey, uh, hey, Worf, you better come down to sick bay because yeah. this guy's about to die. And you should probably watch, which I thought was super fucked up. Yeah, I understand why that's where she's coming from. But I feel like it's probably a misfire with Worf, given his specific personal experience with this character, who yeah. woke up, looked at Worf, and attempted to strangle him to death. Yeah. I mean, Worf has his bad past with the Romulans, but he also has this guy specifically tried to kill him to yeah. think about. And and not only that, he, he totally big dogs him in sickbay. Like, Worf goes to see him, and the Romulans like, I would rather die than pollute my body with Klingon filth. Like, fuck you a thousand times, peace out. And then, uh, and then he flatlines. <laughs> yeah. Which was sort of a badass way to go out. Yeah, I mean... I feel like Worf was pretty badass, too. Like, he has a lot of mealy-mouthed liberals trying to tell him what to do. Yeah. And he's like, nah, fuck that. Like, I don't, I don't fuck with this guy at all. I'm not saving his life. Even if it's the big man thing to do, I'm not doing it. This was one of those scenes in an episode I barely remembered that, like, I remember differently. I thought for sure that Worf gave him blood as sort of a revenge move. Or, and like, so stick it to him. Yeah, and so when this Romulan died, it really surprised me. Yeah. Big twist in your memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, headcanon twist. So, down on the surface, Jordi has finally spotted the neutrino beam, and there's a pretty funny line here. Because uh, Wesley Kretta. And uh, he starts walking toward it, and he... Uh, He's distracted by the fact that there's a beam, so he doesn't notice that a Romulan is coming up behind him to bop him on the head. 
so uh he wakes up and uh this this Romulan is uh like leering over him with a disruptor and preening at the fact that that he has taken Jordy prisoner and Jordy is like very quickly just like just minimizing this Romulan's achievement he's like oh great so y- y- you and I are the only two people on the planet and I'm your prisoner how proud you must be pretty fun <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of big doggings happening here. Yes. In this episode. There's the sick Romulan on the Enterprise moving to Big Dog Wharf. And then there's another sick Romulan on the planet surface, Big Dogging Geordi. Yeah. Uh, but I think Geordi is Big Dogging back. Like, he's giving as good as he's getting. They are enemies by affiliation, but they have to work together to get off of this planet because the Romulan's people are not aware of the situation and the enterprise has put something in place that can help them beam up. But right. the Romulan doesn't love the idea of becoming Geordi's prisoner uh, and has to really be talked into it. Like it's going to be us both dying or you becoming my prisoner. So like what principles are you standing on here? Like what are the stakes for you? And right. and that's like a pretty interesting argument Geordi makes. Like, like there are probably situations that Jordy would choose to die rather than go into Romulan hands, and he acknowledges that that's probably true of this guy. And if what they were up to, which is like pretty suspicious because they're in Federation space, but if whatever they were up to wasn't such a big deal that he can become a Federation prisoner, like maybe he should think about it rationally and on those terms. Jordy is speaking rationally to someone who is like spazzing out and sweating and <laughs> not really acting like someone who can process the that information right uh, in a in a good way yeah like he, he's like real methy in a lot of ways like yeah like Jordy is the is the proprietor of a motel and this guy hasn't paid his room bill in a couple of days and Jordy is wise to what's going on yeah. but also knows that this guy has has enough of a stash that he could make Jordy whole is that a good metaphor? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Damok, Angelad, Tanaga. Damok, Angelad, Tanaga. So the other thing is that the like environment on this planet is wreaking havoc on their systems, and Jordi is going blind real quickly, and the Romulan is losing his ability to walk real quickly. So yeah, it's uh, it's given off radiation, right? Yeah. Radiation of the type that's making the Romulan all spazzy and is taking away really the only thing that Geordi can use to save their lives down there. Yeah, and it's, that's pretty it's scary. A, as soon as Geordi's lights go out, like it's a type of radiation that the that scientists has have called MacGuffin radiation. Indeed, same type of radiation they had on that uh, planet in Engines of Command. Right. The right. kind the kind of radiation that has a very specific effect that moves the plot forward. <laughs> yes, it's uh it can only be detected by using tricortazine. <laughs> yeah. So once we remove one conflict, we have to replace it with something else, right? And sure. so the the introduced conflict is now a Romulan ship is on its way. Uh because they attempted to communicate with the now dead Romulan. Right. And are like, oh, what the hell happened to that guy? Uh, <laughs> well, before he gets found, we better go hustle him off of that planet. But uh, the Enterprise is in orbit, and it intercepts that message, and now shit is going down. 
Yeah. This is Commander Tomalak of the Romulan Empire, and he is coming in hot, demanding that they, you know, turn over the guy uh, to them by meeting meeting up in the neutral zone. Picard is insistent that Tomalak's ship not enter Federation space, and Tomalak is doing a lot of excellent Romulaning around where he, you know, every... Every inconsistency has like an excellent explanation. Like, oh, well, we wouldn't have been there if we'd known there was a Federation ship there. We would never want to start a conflict of any kind. He's sort of only vaguely threatening, <laughs> which I think makes him an effective character. He's unlike anyone we've met before. Always a chess game with the Romulans. He really likes that close-up FaceTime. You ever talk to someone on FaceTime and they hold the phone just way too close to their face? Yeah. That's Tomalock for you right there. Yeah, it's a wide-ass lens on FaceTime. You don't want that shit that close to your face. Uh. Uh, he's got the real meat beard look going, too. It's shot a little low. Mm-hmm. He is a more fully fleshed-out Romulan character than we've ever had, and in, and that includes the two Romulans that we meet, you know, on the planet surface and in the and in Six Bay. Like, they mm-hmm. are pretty one-note characters, like just kind of menacing bad guy characters. Tomalak is great like he's he's a, a a really fun character to watch and and, a, and an excellent antagonist for picard who is like a real plain dealer and doesn't really put up with bullshit and tomahawk is like so skilled at throwing bullshit down all over the place yeah tomahawk is like wearing a suit of bullshit so the enterprise is dealing with this growing concern in orbit so back on the planet surface uh, with a newly blind Geordi. Uh He's down there with this backroom character. Backroom who has no legs, Geordi who has no eyes. Uh, they've got to figure out a way out of this cave and to this signal that Wesley set up. Right. Since Geordi's visor isn't working, they have to rig it up in a way where they can kind of use it as like a compass to find the neutrino fountain. And... Uh, I didn't really expect Jordy to go through stages of grief the way he did. Like, <laughs> it really felt like he was ready to die as soon as he lost his eyesight. Yeah. I mean, and, and they have an interesting conversation about that, too. Like, the, the Romulan is really surprised that his parents allowed him to live past infancy with yeah. a crippling disability like blindness. No wonder your race is weak. You waste time and resources on defective children. That's some interesting world building, you know, a, right. a like the Romulans do not uh, have the same kind of values surrounding their children as members of the Federation or at least humans. It's it's amazing how much world building you can do with a single line. Like that yeah. says so much about a culture uh, with a single line of dialogue. Totally. And and he's real like the the actor really like sold the shit out of it too like he's he's really like perplexed and kind of disgusted that somebody would be allowed to live that was blind yeah and he's also like the hero of the moment he's like fuck this Jordy. like i actually intend to survive yeah if you're just gonna be a little whiny bitch like give me your tricorder and i'll try figuring it out or maybe you could help you know like you could talk me through it yeah, because I've got I've got some good eyes here. Yeah, and I've never never used your strange Federation technology, so I could yeah. use I could use an expert, and yeah. uh, they wind up uh, forming a team, and they uh, they make it to the thing, and they basically get beamed up just in time to stop 
the Enterprise and the Romulan Warbird from start lighting each other up. It's real. It's real tense because like they're close enough to lighting each other up that Picard has to like tell Tomalak very specifically, "I am lowering my shield so that I can beam up your guy and my guy, and please don't destroy my ship." <laughs> yeah. Like, please be cool. Nobody's gonna hurt anybody. We're all gonna be like three little Fonzies here. And uh, to Tomalak's credit, he's cool. Right. I am going to. Bend over and pick up the soap now. <laughs> you stay over there. Yeah. I need this soap. I am going to reach into the glove compartment and take out the registration for my car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. The episode ends with, with sort of crisis averted. Tomalak does not choose to light up the Enterprise. Right. Uh, Picard beams Bakram and Jordy directly to the bridge, both of whom are just totally filthy. Yeah, like, they get a lot of poopy on the on the bridge. Uh, they're the kids who played in the mud puddle and then uh, walked around inside tracking <laughs> mud all over the carpet. Like totally, they're they're a filthy mess. How lucky does Picard feel that the transporter beam didn't scoop up some of the ground material like it did with those <laughs> space Irish? Yeah, no kidding. So. The very end of the episode, uh, Bakram and Jordi are on the bridge. Tomalak sees this. Tomalak is satisfied that a survivor is on his way back to his own ship. Picard is satisfied that Jordi's alive, uh, and they might have brokered a strange peace in mm-hmm. the process. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of goodwill at the end of the yeah. day. Picard is like, Worf, take Bakram and Jordi to the transporter room, and then the episode ends. Right. I wanted to be in that lift, man. I wanted to be in the turbo lift. Right. Because you had a half an hour of Worf's inner conflict where he's just hating Romulans mm-hmm. and he lets one die on his watch. And there was at least three minutes of what does Worf do when he finds out that one of them saves the life of one of his buds on the crew? Right. You don't get that extra moment that I thought would have been really great for his character. Yeah, like if Tarantino had written that moment, Worf would have like lorded the death of the guy's comrade over him right if uh i don't know i feel like if spielberg had directed it it would have been kind of like Worf having a really like emotional like realization that he needs to not be such a racist yeah um man like a 30 second turbo lift ride and then we watch him beam away and that's when the credits roll i think that would have been a great button but as it was it was like good job welcome <laughs> welcome to the transporter room and then we're out. It was so close to being great. Yeah. And that sort of drove me crazy. Well, I'm sorry. It's not your fault, Ben. Hey, Adam. Yes, Ben? Did you find a drunk Shimoda in this episode? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I don't know if I've ever asked you, have I? I don't think you've ever asked. <laughs> uh, I'm really off balance <laughs> by the question. <laughs> Drunk Shimoda is a recognition we give a character in every episode who is acting the most like an inebriated baby. (laughs) Uh, In this episode, I am bestowing that great honor on Worf because (laughs) it just seemed so much more in keeping with his character that instead of letting him die, he would have given that dying Romulan the fuck you of injecting his blood into him. Yeah. Like, that is the ultimate fuck you. Like, this guy has to live the rest of his life knowing that my creepy 
Klingon blood is in him. Like right. that just seems like the more badass of the moves. And that seems to be a fo- like that's a level of revenge I would assume that Worf has that that he'd be perfectly fine with. Totally. And so that's that kind of surprised me. So I'm going to give it to Worf. Like I I feel like he could know better in that moment. Yeah, I mean, I and guess... And not only that, he gets on the good side of Beverly and Picard and everyone else who's trying to twist his arm into doing it. Like, he, not only does he get to satisfy the guilt trips of everyone around him, he gets ultimate revenge. Yeah. Um, yeah, How about I mean, you? I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I guess um, I, I had Jordy written down just for, like, a couple of the times when he got a little a little whiny on the planet surface, but I think that, I think you're probably right that Worf is in fact the drunk Shimoda. Well, the thing about drunk Shimoda is there is no right or wrong answer. No, I think that, I think that every time we are both right. Sure. And I think you're more right this time. I don't want to be wrong. Jordy really, I mean, there are a couple of aliens parallels in this episode. One of them is the LV-426 description, which was perfect by you and the other one is Jordy's sort of slow spiral into uh the hicks character sure when when shit really goes down game over man i think he's ready to give up yeah not only that like like he's ready to give up when he goes blind he also tells the romulan that he can't really think of a situation where he'd be willing to die rather than be captured yeah he's a little mealy-mouthed about that too fair I've got questions about his commitment to the Federation. <laughs> I am locute as a board. You will respond to my questions. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. 
Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I am Locutus of Borg. You are Borg. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? What do we have coming up for our next episode? Our next episode is Season 3, Episode 8, The Price. Counselor Troy is swept off her feet by a dashing delegate that uses unethical methods to conduct his business on board the USS Enterprise. <laughs> I have no idea what that even means. Yeah, I don't either. This is one of those episodes that's just been completely erased from my <laughs> mind. I mean, like, the descriptions, like, like, I don't remember there being an episode about that. What the fuck? I feel like maybe for once a season, someone gets on board the ship that does weird mind shit to Troy. Yeah. It, like, either, it's like... either she's tormented by ice cream truck music or, like, I remember one guy with, like, a weird forehead mask, like, who would come to her in dreams and just sort of torment her. Yeah, and it was like a rape metaphor, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's this episode or not, but it seems like there's always one a season. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that uh, this might be that episode. Who knows? But, yeah, gross. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, have to watch it. All right. Hey, Ben. Yeah. Did you know that this episode and every other episode is brought to us by the generous donations from listeners like the ones that are listening to us right now? I did know that. It is a totally non-trivial amount of work that we put into this every week. Like, we record two episodes a week. It's like we spend a lot of time editing and hunting down clips, and the support of our listeners really makes us feel like that's worthwhile. Like, it, it feels so good to... Uh, have everybody uh, out there listening uh, that is enthusiastic enough about what we're doing to support it financially. So everybody that does that, uh, huge high five from us. If you feel like joining those listeners, uh, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. You can also talk to us on the Twitters using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at CutForTime. Ben is over there as at BenjaminR, A-H-R. There's a 
greatest gen subreddit and a maximum fun subreddit, both of which are real fun. You can also go on Facebook. There's a page and a group for the greatest generation, and uh, those are real lively places as well. I, you know, we just have great listeners who talk about the show everywhere they can. <laughs> People are making bumper stickers. They're making songs. They're making videos. Yeah. We had a great video that got uh, sent to us today, the, uh, the This Old Enterprise video. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, you, you throw away a bit in an episode, and you think <laughs> that that's just going to be what it is, and then it has a life of its own. It's awesome. Yeah, so cool. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Dark Materia for our music. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and also a very unethical episode of The Greatest Generation. With that, we will be back at you next week with we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek the Next Generation. <laughs> we, will, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek the Star Trek the Next Generation and also a very unethical episode of The Greatest Generation. I think between those three takes at the end. I think you've got enough to put something together. Yeah. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.